Hi, my name is Gina, and welcome to Letters to My Daughter's Podcast. Today is my first time ever having a guest host. I'm really excited to talk with Abrielle, and uh, just to let you know, she's a youth pastor. She is one of my favorite people. She is so level-headed and direct, uh, and she's just also really incredibly caring. Her knowledge of scripture far surpasses mine, and I'm so proud to introduce her. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This episode is really special to me because I have a guest host, my friend Abrielle, and today we are going to be discussing the topic of identity, which is something that pretty much everyone I know, including myself, struggles with. I hope you enjoy today's episode. So before we get started, I want to introduce you to Abrielle. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Well, thanks so much for having me, Gina. It's an honor. Thank you. So when we were talking about having this episode, um, you mentioned that identity was something that you felt you could speak to, and that's something that I've actually struggled with on my podcast, because I've actually written three episodes about it but I've never published them. And I think that it's because I was waiting for you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's, a, it's an honor. And I love what you've been sharing on your podcast. And so I can't wait to do this with you. So it's going to be great. Yeah. So when you messaged me about like specifically what the verse was that you wanted to use for today, it was Psalm 139, 14, which I've used the ESV version, which is I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Yeah, and I I love this verse as well. Um, I like the NIV, and I I feel like I remember growing up listening to this version, reading this version, and so uh, this version just says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Yeah. So how do you feel that this verse ties into identity? Well, I would love to share just a little bit about why why I'm passionate about um, this idea of identity. I remember being in high school, and I went to a little Christian school, and about, like, around my senior year, a lot of just insecurities started coming up. Um, I felt like I needed to prove myself to, uh, to the students I went to school with, and um what was crazy was that I was also pretty crafty. I I loved to scrapbook at the time. And so that whole year, I remember documenting all the things that I did outside of high school, Uh, my friends from church and and my friends outside of school, because I felt like I needed to prove myself to the people at school that I was cool. And the odd thing is, is uh, like the irony behind it is that I never showed it to any of them. And I don't know why I felt the need to do it, but I felt as if I needed to prove to an, an imaginary audience that I was worth something or I was good enough. And so I went into college and I was like, oh, we're going to tackle these insecurities. It's going to be great. And I remember writing a paper about it in college. And then fast forward a few years later, I'm in my early 20s and um, some of these uh, these insecurities started to surface again. I, I was kind of in a relationship with, with this guy at the time and um, a, a past relationship kind of had come up. And so I had these two like negative experiences and it all kind of stemmed around insecurities. 
And so I remember thinking to myself, uh, like, I'm not good enough for this person or I, I don't compare to them. And what was crazy would um, that I would I would compare myself to people, especially girls like walking down the street that I had no idea who they were. They were complete strangers, but I could see something that they had that I didn't or something that was better on them than it was me. And so these um, insecurities kind of just started to spiral. And I was in a new leadership role at the time at the church. And so I knew that I couldn't continue to do ministry if I was dealing with all these insecurities, because I knew if I couldn't get my stuff together, how am I going to help minister to some other people and help them get their stuff together? And so um, I ended up going to counseling, which was great. And I I highly recommend if there are people who maybe are like on the fence about Christian counseling, um, I'm a big advocate for it. I really enjoyed it. And it really did change the way that I began to see myself. Um, I got to go through some uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, Uh, but really it's all about replacing lies with truths. And it has become so practical in my life. And so, uh, tangible and doable. And so I remember, um, fast forward just a little bit, I, I was reading the Bible and and I didn't have a problem with any verse. And I was like, I believe these verses to be true. I believe this to be the word of God, but the one verse that I could not, um, I couldn't handle and I couldn't really believe was honestly Psalm one thirty nine fourteen, And again, it says, I am fearfully, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And I just had a problem believing that because I didn't believe that for myself. And so I just remember, um, like one, I don't remember when or, or what was going on, but I just remember the Lord speaking to me and saying, if you're going to believe my word, you need to believe it in its entirety, including this verse. And so I really kind of struggled through it because it was such a personal verse. And I was like, yeah, that's cute. I've seen it on, you know, shirts or, or mugs, but to actually believe it for myself was a different story. And, um, just, I think with prayer and just, God working in my heart and in my mind, I was finally able to believe that verse to be true. And so I think that's why I hold on to it whenever we talk about identity is because it was such a sore subject for me and it was the hardest verse for me to understand. But if I'm going to believe God's word to be true, I need to believe it in its entirety, including this verse. Wow. (laughs) That's amazing. Thank you for sharing. Of course. I love that. It's really interesting that you chose that verse because that verse never stood out to me as like having a lot of like applicability to my own life until I had my third baby because I tried so hard to have her. So when I had her, she was like the most spectacular evidence of being fearfully and wonderfully made and praising God for that. Hmm. So I love the comparison because it's just like when you when you look at this verse and apply it to your own self, that's that's a tough pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely, it's it's one thing to like preach it mm-hmm. and to share it with other people, but when it comes close to home, it's a it's a different ball game. Oh yeah, that's so true. So going back to like the age that you were at when you started feeling these insecurities and you know using toxic comparison with yourself against other people, you know I've noticed that it's kind of like even younger and younger now Mm -hmm. people are being faced with this topic of identity. So like, why do you think people, especially young girls go looking for labels to help them explain the definition of who they are? Yeah. I think 
um, with working with students, I think a lot of them are just in this season of, you know, trying to figure out who they are. And if they don't know who Christ is, it's even more of a difficult process for them. When I have conversations with students, I feel like the majority of the conversations I have can always stem back to identity. And if they don't know who they are in Christ, I feel like we talk a lot about this at church, you know, and in the Christian world, who we are is found in Christ. But if we don't really understand what that means, I think we constantly will search for it in other places. And, and you and I, we grew up, I mean, we're a little bit older than some of the students that we see now, and the things that they're facing are by far greater than what I believe that we faced, oh, you know, yeah. and the things that they're exposed to and what they have at their fingertips on their phones. I feel like social media, influencers, just society in general, they are constantly like shoving this stuff down their throats. And so... I think students are trying, you know, and young people in general are trying so hard to figure out who they are, that they look to the wrong examples, they look to the wrong resources. And we've seen, I think over time, um, even with certain studies, is that there's a lot of young people, though, that don't like to be um, given a title or given an identity. They want to do that themselves, but where they're trying to find that is not fulfilling, you know? And so that's why we always try to reiterate who we are in Christ is is the truth. And it, where we're going to find that is in his word. And so even if a student doesn't have a relationship with the Lord, that's where we start, you know? And so we constantly can go to scripture to find who we are in Christ. And so that's what I always try to reiterate um, as the source of finding our identity. That's great. And I really agree with that. There's a lot of scripture that I've used previously about testing what you're doing to see if it is God's will. How can people test whether or not their identity honors God? That is a great question. And I think we can always point people back to scripture. Um, I think scripture is very clear as to who we are. Um, and if, even if you honestly just take the time to just Google like who I am in Christ verses, you'll get this really pretty calligraphy <laughs> uh, version of it. But really, if you go back to scripture, I think you can always see and, and ask yourself, is what I'm believing about myself, is it true in God's word? And if it's not, then I think uh, if you're still unclear, I think that's a great way to ask certain people to uh, speak into your life. You know, godly people, um, I would even suggest people who are maybe older or have more maturity in their faith to be a part of that process. I, I love that. Thank you. One of the hardest things for me about becoming a Christian was um, I was 24 when I got baptized. So all of the bad habits and negative thoughts that I had about myself were pretty much ingrained in me. And I've noticed that when people don't have a community of Christians around them, um, they have a tendency to fall back into those lies. Mm -hmm. So if you had a student that was pretty much alone in their faith in their household and school, you know, what would be your advice to them on staying confident in their identity in Christ? Yeah, I mean, I would... Whenever I speak to students on this, I tell them what I ended up doing. And so there was a couple different practices that I started to incorporate in my life. And one of them was kind of simple, but uh, when I was going through counseling, uh, my counselor would have me write out the lie that I believed. 
And seeing them on paper, actually, I would put them on a little note card. Seeing them on the note card was almost embarrassing because I was like, I actually believe these things. This is crazy. Um, And then on the back, I would have to write the truth. And so there were two types of truth that she shared with me. There was the lowercase truth of like, you know, the sky is blue. The grass is green. Those are those are truths. Those are facts. But then there's also the capital T truth what we find in God's word. And so going back to scripture again, always referring to scripture of, of finding your uh, identity and what God says. Um, and so I ended up writing out my little cards. I put them with little, you know, little hole punch and put them on a little ring and I would keep them with me in my purse. And what's crazy was that a few years later, I was cleaning out that same purse and I found them. And I love the progression and like what God had done in my life because I got to a point that I didn't have to look at them anymore. I was able to tuck them away and and honestly forget about them. But another thing that I did, um, I kind of mentioned this before, was really just looking up the verses. I know it sounds simple, but it was very tangible for me. I looked up the verses of who I am in Christ, and then I went through my Bible. I actually got a Bible. It wasn't just my version app, but I got out my Bible, and I ended up looking up all the verses. I highlighted them, underlined them, and then I began to write them out in my, my journal. And then after I wrote them all out, I then began to speak them out loud. And I think like the the practice of writing out scripture, it's something that you are personally doing. You're not just reading it. You're not just copying and pasting it. Like you, in your handwriting, you are writing it out. You're seeing your hand move and actually write out the truth. And then I think taking it the next level, uh, speaking it over yourself, you're hearing your voice and your, uh, your tone, um, speak the truth, you know, because I think, I think the biggest person that we have to convince obviously is ourself when it comes to our identity and and what we believe. And so I think there's just some power when we actually hear our own voice speak the truth of God's word. And so I would recite these verses out loud. And then, um, I would take the verses and I would put them on my mirror. Um, I actually had a whiteboard that I would keep in my shower and I would fill it with verses. So I had the capital T truths, but then I also had lowercase truths, uh, song lyrics that I would hear that were obviously like, you know, God honoring songs, but things that I had heard and things that I would sing that were also the truth. And so I just would post them everywhere I could, where I could see them, if it was my mirror, if it was my locker, whatever it was, that way we're constantly exposing ourselves to the truth. And so those were just like some practical things that I ended up doing that really did change the way that I um, believed about myself. But also, again, it was always back to what God said I was and who he said I was. And I love that scripture really does point to a lot of the issues that we deal with. But if we don't know God's word, we don't know what it says. And if we don't know what it says, we don't know who we are. And so really it's always pointing back to scripture and really just seeing like what our heavenly father uh, has said about us and, and how he's created us because we are, we are made in his image. And so we can have the confidence and, and, and reassurance that we've been created on purpose for a purpose. Absolutely. I love that. It's funny that you mention it because I have, I don't know if you noticed, but I have like probably 50 different pieces of paper hanging around my house right now. Um, We are surrounded by magazines and, you know, websites and people that tell us that we're not good enough. And they tell us that because they want our money or they want our peace or whatever. But like, it's just as powerful to surround yourself with the truth 
And that's why it's important to me. And that's why I completely agree with you. And even if it's not a part of therapy, I absolutely agree, like, and believe that, you know, surrounding yourself with the truth and especially targeting the things that are your weak spots, like you will overcome it that way. Yeah. And I think like, if you, if you believe in God, okay, then you, then we have to believe his word to be true. Mm -hmm. And even though there may be times in our life that it may be challenging to believe it, we can always go back and be like, okay, God, if I believe in you, then I need to believe your word to be true as well. And I would say if anyone's listening and you're not at that point, then I think we need to take a few steps back and, and really ask yourself like, well, do you believe in God? And if not, like that's, I feel like that's our first step is encountering a relationship with him. And when we do that, then it gets us to that process of restoration and uh, fullness in him. Definitely. No, that's true. And I think that's a good point to make because a lot of people that maybe are just thinking about Jesus or um, maybe even just praying for help, um, they've never opened a Bible. You know, they're just praying to somebody that they know is real, but they don't really know how or why. So that that would be the... That would be a great first step is just kind of taking the time to do your own research. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I kind of wonder what it's like if I would have gone through the situation without my hope in God. I think it would have been a lot tougher, but because I'm a believer and because I have faith, and and at that time I also did, I knew that I could go to the source of, of my identity, which is in Christ. So when we talk about identity it's hard for me in a lot of ways to conform to what the world is telling me I need to as far as giving myself identifiers or labels or you know names and so I don't know all of this kind of sums up in my mind as the need to kind of die to ourselves Mm. and so I want to share some scripture that I've picked out that I use as kind of inspiration Um, because I'm really not that important and, uh, it humbles me and it helps me to remember that while I do need to know what the Bible says my identity is, um, you know, I, I also need to stand firm in the callings and the actions that the Bible is, is, is telling me I need to do. So I want to share, um, Galatians 2.20, which is, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I also want to share Romans 6, 1-7. through 7. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. So I just feel like those are so relevant to me because I'm trying so hard to move past the old 
way of thinking and believing that I needed to label myself as something and I don't. Yeah. It's so true. And I love how that verse is talking about dying to ourself because I think a lot of times we get so wrapped up in our identity that we're kind of selfish about it and we make it all about us, you know, and yes, we may be saying these things that are uh, negative that we need help with, but then it's also kind of selfish that we're kind of constantly thinking about ourselves. But if we, if we're followers of Jesus, then we believe this scripture to be true that our old self has, has gone, you know what I mean? And like we've, we've died to it. And because of that, because of Jesus' sacrifice, we're made new. And so that doesn't necessarily mean that all of our problems go away. You know, I was a believer uh, going through this, but I, I wish I could go back and really, um, have this type of perspective that my, my old self is, is crucified. You know, Jesus paid the price and I can walk in that newness in him. But I think so many times we just are like, Oh, and we, we soak in our, in our own misery that we forget the hope that we've been given. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. If, uh, if I had to stand face to face with the person that I was 10 years ago, I don't think I would know who they were. Mm. And that's, not a sad thing. It's freeing. So my last question for you is really more for the community of women that are believers. So how can women support one another or even young women or girls? How can they support one another through issues of identity? That's great. I think first off, we need to squash comparison. Um, yes, amen. I think we're so guilty of it. I am guilty of it. And I always have to check myself. Um, I feel like it looks a little bit different now in the season of my life, but there's still comparison. And I think it really can run rampant in the church if we're not careful with it. And so I think we need to squash comparison, but I also feel like we need to create accountability in, in our lives and in our relationships with people, but also uh, celebrating each other. I think so many times, again, we're so worried about ourself and our identity and what we look like and, and, and keeping up with our own agenda that we don't take the time to celebrate other people. And I know in relationships that, uh, like friendships that I've had, I've spent so much time comparing myself to other girls that I have not taken the time to celebrate them. And I had to really learn that being in ministry, if I can, I can look and see to my right and to my left, oh, she gets this opportunity or she got to do this, you know, and instead of celebrating them and those opportunities that they're given, I was comparing and I was complaining. And so I just feel like there's so much power when we actually take the time to celebrate, even if uh, we may not celebrate them face to face or directly, we need to be cheering them on in our, in our own attitude because it changes the way that we then respond and celebrate them you know, personally and indirectly. And so I think I've had to really work on this because I know that when I celebrate other women, it strengthens the sisterhood. It strengthens the body of Christ. And ultimately, like I want the body of Christ to be healthy and strong. And when I am comparing myself to other women, especially within the church, I'm tearing down the body and little bit by little bit. But when I'm able to celebrate the body of Christ and I'm able to celebrate other women, man, it strengthens us. It unifies us. And I believe that that's critical. There's the verse, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And if we don't see the joy, then we don't feel the strength. So true. Yeah. There was a a mom that left me a comment on my Facebook. And she asked me what I would advise her teenage daughter to do in a group of girls that had called her annoying. Mm -hmm. And it's like... um, 
I think we have to be so careful what we define other people as as well. Mm -hmm. You know, we get wrapped up in our own identity and we get so miserable, but then we put that on other people. And that's not fair. No. And I think we forget the weight of our words. You know, I think we can always go back and think through maybe some sly little comment that someone made to us growing up. And we remember those things and our words have power. And we have to make sure that, again, like that our words are giving life, not giving death, because you never know the the situation that that person is in or what they're going through personally. And you may strike a chord and, you know, make the situation even worse, or you can have the power to give life. And I, I always think about, um, I don't remember what was said specifically, but there was a pastor I once heard say like, why would you rob someone of a compliment? You know, and I think a lot of times it may just be a compliment of like, I like your shirt, but you don't know the process behind them picking that shirt for the day. And man, they, they may have really struggled. And I know it sounds so simple, but it's like, why would I ever rob someone of a compliment? And so I give some pretty lame compliments over really lame things, but I'm like, <laughs> you never know what got them to this point. And so... So, you know, why, why miss that opportunity to even just take a moment to compliment someone, to speak words of life over them, to even reiterate, you know, even up to the point of, of reminding them of their identity in Christ. Definitely. That's so powerful. Well, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to kind of walk through this with me as a mom. It's really intimidating to know that I still have like decades of parenting left to do and, what was hard for me at 16 is now twice as hard for 16-year-olds mm-hmm. now, which is going to be, what, four times as hard for my own kids. Yeah. So thank you so much for investing the time to sit and chat and speak life over people. Well, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing, Gina. And we know that uh, you're doing great things and we love you. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and share and leave a review. If you'd like to connect with me on social media, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Letters to My Daughters Podcast. I'm so excited for the next few episodes. We have more new guests joining us. Hope you have a blessed week. See you next time.